Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. D-flat. That's the nothing personal word of the day today. It's D flat. That's a musical note. I know you know that. D flat also. This is a triple entendre. So everyone just buckle in. Stay calm. D as in James Dolan. Flat as in the absolute response by his employees and the general country of what Madison Square Garden, the business he owns, the Knicks, et cetera, how they're reacting to the current situation. Flat. D flat is a musical note because James Dolan is in a band. Coco was so out on this triple entendre and I'm so in. Word of the day is D flat. What am I talking about? So there's been a absolute march of statements Every few minutes, different people are coming out with statements, and it's part of what we talked about yesterday, where people should not be silent. They need to speak up. They need to start conversations. They need to talk. They need to listen. And everyone's deciding what they're comfortable with as a business, as an individual. We mentioned Michael Jordan. Tiger Woods came out with the statement. Frank Reich, a wonderfully written statement. Greg Popovich did an interview that was, he's obviously a great interview, but the Knicks have been silent. What's interesting about that is the Knicks forget the PR of the team, the lack of success of the team, forget that James Dolan puts the M in meddling in a way I've never experienced, uh, puts the H in hatred in a way that no owner, we were always thankful to him because I was always, our group was always number five on the list of the most hated owners, thanks to James Dolan. He was always in the top five. I think we're off those lists now. I don't know what list I'm on. Oh, I do know. I think we're on the Apple ratings list of podcasts and shows. Thank you for listening to Nothing Personal. But James Dolan did nothing, stayed silent. And then word came out, reported, not reported. I don't know who the source was. There's just not been a statement by the Knicks. Okay. What's my view of whether or not there should have been? I thought a lot about that, and I talked a lot about it with Coca before the show. It's what we do. We talk about what we're going to talk about here, and we debate it, and we've got very different views in some areas, very similar views in other areas. And this is different because I understood, and I agree, every company has a responsibility to its employees and to its community where it operates. Every company has a responsibility, a social responsibility, a cultural responsibility, a financial responsibility. We all have the responsibility to be good people. At times like this, you meet with your PR people, who I can't imagine James Dolan has any PR people working for him because I'm sure they all either A, get fired or B, quit all within a month. 
it's terrible to be a PR person for James Dolan. The worst type of owner to work for is an owner who will not listen, not who doesn't agree and then tries to convince you of a different path and then intellectually says, we're going to go with my path today. I'm okay when owners do that. Smart, thoughtful, understanding of position. James Dolan is none of those things. Successful, rich, if you define success as money. But he's not been outward facing in any way but negative. So the employees of the Knicks MSG were very upset. It was reported, if not livid, that James Dolan had not sent out a statement. And so he did a James Dolan thing and it fell D flat. He sent an internal email where he said that we know some of you have asked about whether our company is going to make a public statement about the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer. He then says in the third paragraph, and I want to focus on this, as companies in the business of sports and entertainment, however, we are not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. What's important is how we operate. Our companies are committed to upholding our values, which include creating a respectful workplace for all that will never change. Forget all of the harassment suits that the garden has been involved in. Let's ignore that for a moment. Not for a long time, but for this moment. Forget that it is important how he operates. Let's go back to the beginning of that sentence. As a company in the business of sports and entertainment, however, we are not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. What he's saying is because he's not an expert in this area, that he then has no right to say anything, shouldn't say anything, that he can't add anything to the conversation. Well, here's what, in fact, he could have added by having an outward-facing statement. He could have said, on behalf of the tens of thousands of employees under Madison Square Garden and all of its affiliates, I would like to say that our thoughts are with the family of all those affected. However, it is our actions that they will see far more clearly. While we are in the sports and entertainment business, what could be more critical than understanding the breadth of our reach as we sit here today? Even though we haven't won squat since 1999, we continue to sell out at prices that are phenomenal. Our stock price is through the roof. I love all of you. Therefore, I am going to use this power and this platform and I am going to facilitate conversation and I'm going to make sure that people understand what we do to operate our business that is so different than the other teams that it results in horrible on-field performance. But off-field, which is way more important, we get an A+. James Dolan was totally D-flat. It was flat. Today, the employees are meeting. They're so angry that we're right before we went on the air. Or is it called on the air when we record? Well, we don't edit it, as you know. Nothing personal. We go right and release it once the 45 minutes is up. 
right before we started the show today, which is a uh, Tuesday, we read that employees are taking it upon themselves to meet without James Dolan, of course, because why would he meet with the employees? And they're so angry that they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to respond to this internal email. It brings up a very interesting point. As employees of a company, some employees have the right to unionize, like players. Some employees don't have the right to unionize, like PR men or women, people, marketing executives. They're not part of a union. How would I feel as the owner of a team if I made a decision that I was not going to do an external memo, I was doing an internal memo, and then my employees released or did something in a outwardly way under the banner of Madison Square Garden? I was very strict with employees when I ran the Marlins for 16 years and Expos for two. I remember firing an employee because that employee wore a Red Sox jersey to a Marlins Red Sox game. And I remember thinking to myself, was that too harsh or not? And to me, it was not. It's the equivalent if you work for Coke and the president of Coke walks by your desk and you're drinking a Pepsi, you're going to get fired. That's how it goes. If the employees stand up and do a statement, if I'm James Dolan, I don't fire them. I give them the space to do what they think is right. But I sure as heck am making sure that I'm meeting with the employees and not letting them have these meetings without me. It's an important time for all CEOs, COOs, presidents, owners. What you are doing now is being watched by everyone more clearly than ever. And believe me, the microscope we are all under is so significant that you're sweating all day, every day. But now the microscope is even stronger. You can start a fire if you have wood below it and kindling. That's how bright the light is shining. There's going to be a lot of people who come out the other side of this with strong, cohesive, together companies who are making progress and helping, not hurting. And there's going to be a lot of companies who come out of this with different leadership. One of the things that I promised I would do in not staying silent, and I've done this from the beginning, I like doing corrections. I like giving you wait to seize where I think things are going to happen, and either they do or don't. I want to mention something that just came up today. And I've been thinking a lot about music and the role of music. I know the music industry is quiet today. Many people are quiet in Blackout Tuesday. I read a very interesting article that using the hashtag Black Lives Matter with those posts is not smart because people are using that hashtag as a way to search on these social media platforms. And there is information that is being given to people where peaceful demonstrations are taking place, nonviolent peaceful demonstrations. And what's interesting is that people are using this. And now when people search Black Lives Matter, they're getting just black boxes. 
So I was thinking about music and the role music plays, and I love music. And I saw a tweet by Mark Immelman. I'm calling you out, Mark Immelman. You're a fellow CBS guy. You're a golf guru. Great podcast. And you tweeted the lyrics to a song that I loved from 1982 by Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney. It's called Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Ivory, as in on a keyboard, piano, the black keys and the white keys. Ebony and Ivory, maybe as in Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney. Back in 1982, 38 years ago, I would sing that song. I have it on a playlist. And here's what I would sing. Ebony and Ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano, keyboard, oboe. Why don't we? I thought that was the song. It made perfect sense. Ebony and Ivory living together in perfect harmony, very apt. I was thinking about the song and then Mark Immelman tweets it, except he tweeted it wrong. He said, Ebony and Ivory live together in perfect harmony side by side on my piano, keyboard. Oh, Lord, why don't we? I thought to myself, oh, Lord, why don't we? It's oboe, why don't we? So I went to look up the lyrics and I got it completely wrong. My whole life I've been singing Ebony and Ivory wrong. It's side by side on my piano, keyboard, oh, Lord, why don't we? which makes way more sense. Although to me, piano, keyboard, oboe, three instruments. I didn't know where the why don't we came for, except for I thought that it was about living together in perfect harmony. And the reason I was thinking about Ebony and Ivory is these songs, this desire for racial equality, we talked about it yesterday in a very emotional show, which I appreciate that you listen to and giving me the opportunity to talk, just like I give you always the opportunity. Do so you want to talk to Samson, et cetera. These issues have been going on not just for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, scores of years, multiple scores of years. Is today different? We can make it different. I am willing to listen and speak because you need to do both. I won't be silent, but I will have my ears open. I will have my mind open. I will trust. I will verify. Mark Immelman wrote lyrics. I didn't trust. I verified. Now I believe. That's called education. That's called willing to be wrong. What a concept. Imagine if you were willing to be wrong one extra time per day. One extra time. It's not easy. Most people are never willing to be wrong. I am. I'm wrong all the time. And then I'll correct it. MLB is on a streak, folks. They are on a wrong streak. Not the commissioner's office by itself, not the players by themselves, not the owners, presidents, every one of them. Them, not us. Actually, I'm going to pay the dollar. Every one of us. I'm going to pay the dollar to you, Coke. I pay a dollar every time I say we instead of them. I was in baseball 18 years and then got fired by Derek Jeter. Jeter. By the way, for those fans of nothing personal, you can send your thank you to Derek Jeter. He's taking emails now. If you're not a fan of the Marlins because I'm gone and you actually miss me, maybe I'll come back. Not. So MLB has been fighting with the players 
back and forth. It's in the news every day. We talk about it nonstop because it's amazing. It's content that's made for nothing personal, trying to explain to everybody what's really going on. It's time to do it again. MLB is using ESPN and Jeff Passan to leak information. They switch off. Sometimes they use Ken Rosenthal. Sometimes they use themselves. It's a leak festival. Jeff Passan had, there's the possibility of MLB proposing as a counter to the players' proposal of playing 114 games. MLB said, how about 50? 50 games. That's roughly a third of a season. It's about 30%, but I'm going to call it a third of a season. There's 162 games. 50 would be a third of 150. But just give me the rounding error because it's going to be very important for the next thing I say about the significance of a 50-game season and why there is zero chance, zero chance that MLB, you know what, Coca? That's the wait to see today, by the way. Wait to see is when we tell you to wait and see. There will not be a 50-game regular season in baseball. If baseball plays, it will be more than 50 games. Let's just get it right out there. Done. Now, why is MLB sending a proposal for 50 games or leaking the possibility of a proposal for 50 games? You have to go back to the beginning of the negotiation where MLB said that every game we lose $640,000 a game. Every game. We open the doors, no fans, 640K. Right down the crapa. One of the great things you'll learn in business school, which I didn't go to. I went to law school. I prefer law school to business school. One of the great things you learn is the following concept in business. Let's say that you make a microphone and every microphone you make, you lose a dollar. Every one. And then you say, don't worry, we'll make it up on volume. Do you get that? If you lose a dollar for every microphone you make and then you make 20 microphones, you've now lost $20. Therefore, you have to stop making microphones. Baseball is saying it is critical, it is critical that We play as few games as possible because we're losing money every game. And by the way, we're trying to listen to you. You want your prorated salaries, which means quite obviously that every game you play, you want to be paid one one sixty second of your salary. So now baseball is saying, well, we'll play a hundred, we'll play 81 games or a hundred games, but you're only going to make 30% of your salary. The player said no chance. So MLB said, no problem. We'll give you the prorated pay, one 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 sixty second of your full salary. Our pleasure. By the way, how does 50 games sound to you? Now you're making 30% of your full salary. Fair enough. Are we good here? It's not going to fly. There's no chance it's going to fly, and I'm totally fine with that because it's just part of a negotiation. Page one of textbook negotiating. This gets us back to an 80-game season at some point starting sometime in July and August. It makes perfect sense. The reason why people get so panicked with these negotiations and with the public nature of them is very simple because you're, you're thinking emotionally. Take the emotion out of it. 
You want baseball back? This is the process that you're going to have to go through. The best way is stop listening to all the rumors. Although, hey, I'm nothing personal. I'm going to tell you what they actually mean so you can read them, listen to them, and then come back to me and we'll fix your problem. Now you should be happy. It makes sense. Let me give you one last reason why MLB is doing what it's doing. You've read a lot about a disagreement over this March 26th agreement signed between the players and the owners. I've talked about it in detail. I've explained to you that my view is that there was going to be a further negotiation if the owners determined that it was not economically feasible to play with fans. The players said, no, we already negotiated salary. We get our prorated salary. However many games we can play safely, that's what we play. So MLB, as part of the agreement, can choose the number of games. So MLB is maybe stepping away from the fight over whether there should be pro rata salaries. And now they're fighting on a different front, coming in from the backside on number of games. All of this maneuvering ends with a deal. Not today, not tomorrow. It's going to be measured in weeks, not days. Because deals have to be agreed to, then they have to be papered, then they have to be voted on. Yes, you can call an owner's meeting within a day, but the union will takes a couple days to get the information to the players so then the players can vote on it. Then it's another week or two to get ready to report to spring training. And then spring training can start. It's okay that baseball will not start July 1. It doesn't mean there will be no season. Baseball consistently gets maligned is the word I like using. Gets maligned, criticized, people angry all the time, all the fighting with billionaires and millionaires. Have some thought of not being so tone deaf like Jim Dolan. Get into the B major. Is that a musical no coca? B major? I think it is, or maybe it's B minor. I don't know. I had to learn notes when I played the clarinet because in my elementary school, I had to play an instrument. And you know why I chose the clarinet? I, I just thought to tell you this. It is nothing to do with anything because it was the smallest thing I could carry. And I loved the fact that I wouldn't have to schlep a huge instrument. Who would choose to play those huge cellos and have to carry that around everywhere? Or like a tuba? It just didn't seem economical to me. I was a tiny guy. I want to be a clarinet guy, small. The only issue is I didn't realize having the reeds in your mouth and how that weird feeling, it's like eating paper napkins. Needless to say, I learned a few notes, didn't do well. My voice changed from soprano to baritone, and I was well on my way to being kicked out of chorus as well. So there's a lot of tone deafness that's going on. People say it's just baseball, but it's not. You learned on nothing personal that all the sports, NBA, NFL, they're going to have a problem. MLB is forced to deal with it now because their season hasn't started. NBA did 70 to 80% of their season already. They could go straight to playoffs and teams are not going to be hit as hard this year with the lack of fans in the building the way Major League Baseball will if you go a full season without fans. The NFL, if there is only 20% Capacity in ballparks, ballparks, excuse me, in stadia, there's no ballparks. Actually, where the Oakland, no, the Oakland, uh, the Oakland Raiders no longer play in the Oakland Coliseum. I think they're now opening in Vegas. I think that stadium is now finished and ready for occupancy in Vegas. So these stadiums, if they're empty, there's a huge amount of revenue that's going to be missing. The NFL 
and the NBA have luxury tax thresholds and salary caps. And I've told you there is going to be fighting. There is going to be, it may not be as public as baseball, but there are going to be issues between the players union and the owners in all of these sports. Right now, they're all playing nicely in the sandbox. It's really easy to captain a ship when the waters are calm. It's easy when you're doing your draft from your basement. It's easy when everything's great. You're doing everything on time. You release a statement here. You release a statement there. You pretend the kneeling thing didn't happen in your sport. You move along. You love your fan base. Rights fees are over the roof. Networks, gambling. Everything's going great. But the reality is you know very well that captain and ship during calm waters is simple. But when the tsunami comes, you better have someone who understands how to handle the runner. Right now in the NFL, there are multiple sources saying that both the players and the owners are acknowledging that important negotiations will be happening soon on how to deal with salary caps for 2020 and beyond. Because you know, you've known this forever because we told you here, the salary caps are going to go down and there are teams that signed players assuming the salary cap would increase at the rate it had been increasing for years. Think about the Houston Rockets and all the maximum salaries with Harden and Westbrook and yada, yada. If that salary cap goes down and their salaries stay so far above more than they calculated, their luxury tax bill will be so high there'll be nothing they can do. And we know the owner of the Rockets, whose name I won't say because I get it wrong every time. I think it's Fernita, for, uh, Fernada. He will have an issue. It's Fertita. Thank you, Coca. One day, Coca, one day. We know in the NFL there's going to be major revenue losses with no fans in the stands. We know it. There will have to be an agreement. The problem is the NFL has calm waters. There's no deadline. They don't need to have an agreement right now because they don't need to start their season as soon as possible because they're not missing time right now. But as it gets closer to training camps in July, they better have an agreement where those players won't be going to training camps, which, by the way, I have a wait to see on the training camps. Keep that in mind. The wait to see on the training camps is that they're going to be delayed. I said because of COVID, but it could be because of labor issues. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. Mark my words here. This is not a double wait to see. We'll talk about it another day. There will be some back and forth because players have no idea the impact the NFL is going to go through. No idea in the NBA. LeBron James and his group of leaders, Chris Paul, et cetera, while their relationship with Adam Silver is absolutely through the roof, over the moon. Everything's glorious and wonderful as they skip down the yellow brick road toward Oz. When they get to Oz, it's going to be a small problem. You'll see it. So Major League Baseball continues to decide how they are going to operate, how they're going to come to an agreement because they have to do it now. They have no choice in the matter. And I was, I've been frustrated. I told you this. I, I have been frustrated that there is not a uniform way of dealing with certain of the issues. And 
we talked about Republicans versus Democrats. We talked about giving power to the states versus taking power federally through the federal government. And those are real issues that Democrats and Republicans disagree on. Big government, small government, by the way, that's the tip of the iceberg of the issues, but you can't have an iceberg without a tip. You can't begin to understand the depth of the iceberg until you know the length of the tip. (laughs) That was a single entendre completely until I finished saying it, and then it became a double entendre. So in baseball, what's happening is that people, are you editing that out, Coca? You better not. It's not the end of the world. Baseball teams have been paying minor leaguers $400 a week. They agreed to pay through May 31st. We're now June 2nd. June 2nd, I think, is today. Hold on, checking. Yes, it is. And now all these teams are coming up with new philosophies, new plans. What are we doing with our minor leaguers? And there has not been a consistent approach and it's made baseball look terrible. And I wanted to point out a few for you to ponder and understand how teams could run so differently because they can, they are, and they each have their reasons. I want to start with my friends in Washington, a team owned by the learners. Ted Lerner won the World Series on his 94th birthday. Ted Lerner reportedly worth several billion dollars, which by the way, whatever the net worth of an owner is to fans, that is a huge deal. You're a billionaire. Why wouldn't you pay Bryce Harper an extra 10 million bucks a year? You're a billionaire. Why wouldn't you lower the ticket prices? You're a billionaire. Why wouldn't you sign this player, pay these players, help me with more hot dogs, give money to this charity? Do it. Well, because then all of a sudden you wouldn't be a billionaire. But Ted Lerner does more than his share, extremely charitable. His son, Mark, is now the control person. They've had some issues, and they always have had issues because they are very big real estate. Is it magnates? I'm blanking on the word, a powerful real estate family. I think it's magnate. But if I'm wrong, I will have repeated it, so you're going to think that I really think it's magnate, but I don't know. They've had some PR issues. They started, they bought the nationals and they started running it like the real estate company. Can't do that. Many owners, that's called new owner-itis. They all have it. Every owner in every sport who starts gets new owner-itis. They walk in and they say, well, wait a minute. I do it this way in my other business. I'm going to do it this way in this business. Wait a minute. I need permission to grant it before you do this, 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 and this. Here's my checklist not realizing that in baseball, it's fast, it's fast, there's things going on. You've got to delegate to your GM and the GM has to delegate to people throughout his side of the business. The Nats have been a little tone deaf to that. And over the years, they've gone through some presidents, they've gone through some, you know, Stan Kasten started there and then he didn't make it. They've gone through managers in a way that I thought only we could. And they've gone through, I don't know if they've gone through just as many. That's something we should do, Coca. Have the Nats under Lerner had as many managers as we did with the Marlins? I'm going to say there's a decent chance, although I think he started with the Nationals when we were already on our third manager. So it's not fair. You have to do apples to apples since Lerner started in the game, which I want to say was 05, but I could be off because I can't remember any year at all. So the Nationals came out and said that we have decided that we are going to pay our minor leaguers who we didn't release. And by the way, if you've gotten and read a ton of things about how sad it is that minor league players have been released, every year at this time, minor league players get released. Normal. 
More are being released now because there's no minor league season. I told you why owners are doing that. It makes sense. Why would you have a minor league player who's not even a prospect? Why would you keep that player? That it, it makes no sense. It's actually hurting him. It's making him feel like he has a chance. I'd call him up as the minor league farm director and say, listen, John, you're not going to make it. We're not paying you. We're releasing you. If I were you, I would go try to get an education and try to find work. So the Nats announced that they weren't going to pay the $400 to the existing minor leaguers. They were lowering it to $300. And people lost their minds. Billionaire learner cuts minor league salary from 400 to 300. Not looking at it from the other side, billionaire learner decides to continue to pay minor leaguers who, believe me, are not doing one minute of work right now. And then the national players led by Sean Doolittle, who is a very outspoken member of the nationals, did something that if I were president of that team, I'd be so furious, so embarrassed. He went public saying, you know what? If my owners aren't going to do it, we're meeting with all of our major league players and we met and unanimously agreed that we will pay the minor leaguers the difference. I love it when players do that. Our owner is such a cheap son of a gun. I can't believe I sound like Charlie Daniels. And Devil went down to Georgia trying to edit my song. Son of a bee. They're so cheap that we're going to make up for it. We're going to pay. Well, Sean, I got a question for you. How are you going to do that exactly? Are you calling up the accounts payable department in the front office and saying, listen, here's the list of the following 100 players, and I'd like them all to get an extra $100 a week, but I want it to come from my account. Oh, no, actually, you can just do a direct deduct from the amount that you're paying me, and if you could just switch that over to the minor league players. Well, what about taxes and withholdings? Um, oh, interesting. And, and is this a gift? Or because then you're going to be over the limit of gifts. How's, how, is this, maybe are you going to give a gift to each individual player? Would you like their names? Do you want to give them an envelope with a $100 with a C note? Would you like a forwarding address? And then would you like us to make sure that all the different players get a list of who they're giving the $100 to every week? Are you going to send it once a week, twice a week, once a month, twice a month? People come up with all these ideas. They're hard to implement. They don't think of logistics. They think of PR. They think of saying my owner is an absolute cheap SOB, but thank you for the expensive ring I'm about to get with all those hundreds of diamonds. So guess what the Nationals did? They said, oi, we made a mistake. It's not worth it. They reversed course. They sent an email to all minor league players saying, after further internal discussion, we have decided to pay you the $400 per week. <laughs> Who's helping the learners? Was it worth it? If you're going to do it, do the A's. Be the A's. Be John Fisher, the owner of the Gap, son of the founders of the Gap, I guess. Don't pay him at all. You don't cut them from 400 to 300. You're going to look bad no matter what. And then you've got to change course because your players made a stink and a fuss. That would be like firing a manager and then rehiring him that day because your players made a fuss. Who would ever do such a thing? 
<sighs> Dayton Moore of the Kansas City Royals said, we've made a decision that we are paying our minor leaguers. What he didn't mention is that there's a new owner of the team. His name is John Sherman. No relation to Bruce, owner of the Red Sox, oh, Red Sox owner of the Marlins. When you're a new owner of a team, you haven't played a game. Number one, you're despondent. He paid the equivalent of a billion dollars for the Royals, and there's no season happening right now. And he said, I better get some public goodwill here. Hey, Dayton Moore, my, my new GM, who we're not going to fire you quite yet. We're going to say you do it the rebuild. How about, how about a quote on this? Dayton Moore had a great one. Understand this, Dayton Moore said, the minor league players, the players you'll never know about, the players that never, he meant who, who never get out of rookie ball or high A, those players have as much impact on the growth of our game than 10-year or 15-year veteran players. They have as much opportunity to influence the growth of our game as those individuals who played for a long time because those individuals go back into their communities and teach the game. They work in academies, they're coaches, etc. They're growing the game constantly. So we felt it was really, really important. By the way, from a writing style standpoint, or even a speaking style standpoint, I have advice to those listening. And if not, just fast forward 10 seconds. You don't have to put really, really. It's like saying, to be honest. Don't ever say to be honest, because then it means you're not honest. Really, really important. Don't ever say it goes without saying, because then don't say it. It goes without saying that I feel it is really, really important to make sure, to be honest, that we get this right. I'll never get those 10 seconds back. Neither will you. So we felt it was really, really important not to release one minor league player during this time, a time we needed to stand behind them. Well, I don't know what's different between this time and next time when you're going to release them because if these players don't get out of rookie ball or high A, do you know what you do with those players? Dayton knows, but he's not going to put it in the statement. You know what you do? You release them. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not working myself up. I'm just saying that that's what happens. Other teams like the Cubs are doing pay cuts to executives. Two-thirds of employees were cut about 15% or less. The cuts were in 10 to 35%, the more money you make. Dodgers did the same thing. Teams are doing this. It's what the owners said they should do. It's what businesses are doing. It's what we talked about on Nothing Personal. It is critical If you're making the most money, you get the biggest cut, but you're still making the most money. When you cut someone from 60 grand to 50 grand, you cut $10,000. Makes a big difference. When you cut someone from 500 grand to 490 grand, it's not as big a difference in terms of life. We know this. Again, that is math. Some teams have chosen no cuts at all. We talked about the fact that the Nationals are. The Marlins, I give them credit. The Tigers, the Rockies. Then there was a team who did what the Nats did, and as far as I can tell, have not changed their mind, which is interesting to me because this is a team that I know well. It's a team called the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this is another example of how teams are doing things all differently. Derek Hall, when announcing salary cuts, we care deeply about our employees, which make these decisions even more difficult. 
We have tried to minimize the impact as much as possible, but these are truly unprecedented economic times, and we recognize that this is affecting everyone in our organization and community. We continue to hope and believe that we will play baseball in 2020, but it has become clear that it will be without fans. Unfortunately, changes were necessary in order to be in a position to recover when we are able to return to normal operations. I want to talk about the last sentence because all the criticisms that are being given to companies who are furloughing, releasing, firing employees, and I've said it's a numbers game. At the end of the day, if you have 50,000 employees and you furlough 10,000 of them, yes, you have cut your staff by 20%, but you've done that in order to make sure that you can sustain. And when the business comes back, 10,000 people will be hired again. The Diamondbacks, whether or not the owner's a billionaire or a millionaire doesn't matter. The reality is that as a president of a team, the way Derek Hall is, and he's a great president, you have to know. You have to know that he's making decisions along with the owner, Ken Kendrick, with an eye toward the future. We've talked during this nothing personal specifically about the fact that looking at the future is critical because if you only pay attention to now and think that the Caesar comments like being in the eye of the hurricane and saying, wow, what a beautiful day. Let me get sunscreen on. Not realizing that the dirty side is about to whack you. I just wish all teams were a little more uniform. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Today is day 79 of the ML Beard Challenge. Yesterday's show, thank you for listening. I'm not going to. And, you know, it's, it's strange. It's supposed to be a day where I'm not tweeting today, not doing any self-promotion. I wanted to make and, and let people breathe and understand that Blackout Tuesday, however I can do it. But the fact of the matter is that uh, part of what I want to do is continue the conversation and have people paying attention 
if they want and you're choosing and I appreciate by telling your friends about nothing personal and downloading it. I appreciate what you're doing and subscribing to the new YouTube channel. It's good. I don't know how to find the YouTube channel, but maybe you can. Part of the beer challenge is we're not going to shave until baseball starts. I am losing weight. I'm down about eight, nine pounds since quarantine started and the beer challenge started for the simple reason I actually can't eat. I'm going to have to start eating through a straw. Coke and I agree that we have to get blenders because we're not trimming our beards. We're not doing anything. And basically, I live my life now with hair in my mouth. And uh, when I take a bite of something, sometimes I pull on the hair that's coming out of the mustache, and it just downright hurts. But what we talked about is we're going to grow the beard until MLB has opening day. And for 100 days, nothing personal is giving away $1,000 a day to organizations. And for the first 77 days, we did it to organizations helping people impacted by COVID-19. For the last 23, we said we are changing it. We are making a change and we are continuing with that change today on day 79 and you will see it throughout. There will be a theme through 100 days of giving. Organizations that are doing things to help start, continue the conversation of racial equality, organizations who have chosen to find ways to make a difference, trying to level a playing field, trying anything possible so that history can judge us in a far different way than it is right now. I went to law school at Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law in New York. It's affiliated with Yeshiva University. One of the things that I loved about Cardozo when I went was its clinical programs, because I always wanted a chance in law school. I wanted the opportunity to actually be a lawyer before I even passed the bar. And there were these clinicals where you could represent indigent appellants, people who couldn't afford real lawyers, and they got students. There was something called the Innocence Project at Cardoza, started by, among others, Barry Sheck, who you may know as a name, part of the defense of O.J. Simpson. Uh, but much more well-known for something called the Innocence Project. The Innocence Project is an organization that fights to overturn those who have been wrongly convicted and have spent years and sometimes decades in prison. And he works to free them, those who have been wrongly convicted. The reason I'm giving $1,000 to the Innocence Project is that part of what we talked yesterday Having people and giving people the opportunity to make a choice between right and wrong is so important. It's the number one. What's the opposite? It's when people don't have the choice and they've been told that they're wrong when in fact they weren't. And then they've got no other choice because they're part of an incarceration system, which we know is broken, which we know is not rehabilitative or even a deterrent. And scarily enough, sometimes is a preferred destination for people because of the squalor that can exist or the violence even that can exist outside the prison walls. Innocence Project works to get people out of prison and helps. It doesn't just get them out and then forget about them. Helps them after 10 years, 20, 30 years, get out of and back into society. To the Innocence Project, I say, I am extremely proud to have been associated with you and of the work you've done, and of the lives you've changed. 
because you've known what hopefully everyone will now know. When you speak up, when you make a difference, you can change lives. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.